right, so we're in First Peter chapter 5, but I also would like you to take your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to read a couple of verses here in First Peter 5, and notice it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. So here we have a verse talking about being vigilant. It tells us that we have an adversary. We have an enemy seeking whom he may devour. Meaning this is something that's a real danger that we're supposed to be watching out for. Not only supposed to be watching out for it and being vigilant, but we're supposed to be resisting steadfast. I mean, we're going to have to stand strong. We're going to have to fight. And if you all think that the Christian life is just, you know, sitting around meditating in a field of sunflowers, you know, you've got another thing coming. We're out there in a jungle and there's lions out there and people that want to destroy us. And you better be ready to fight. You better believe that. But we can also go to Philippians chapter four. Notice what it says in Philippians four, verse six, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, we just need to trust God. We need to have peace. We just need to be calm. Be careful for nothing. What are you worried about? Why are you worrying about the devil? The Bible says be careful for nothing. What are you looking out for? What are you being vigilant for? Hey, nothing can get you unless it's God's will. So we should be okay with that. So let's just be at peace right now and be calm. Are, are we kind of seeing what look like conflicting messages right here? You know, past time, you're, you're preaching on kind of, you know, these are like two opposite things right here. You know, what are we supposed to do? And this goes along with this morning's message, how, you know, there's a time for war and there's a time for peace. There's a time for vigilance. There's a time to just chill out. Don't worry. Don't fret. There's a time for all these things. And let me tell you, these two passages I read, these are not conflicting with each other. These things can go together. These things can work together in harmony. And what we want to talk about tonight is balancing vigilance with not worrying or being careful for nothing because both of these things are commanded in the Bible. We are told to be vigilant. We're told to be watching. We're to be resisting steadfast in the faith. But we're also told to be careful for nothing. We're also told to just, you know, have to be at peace. We're told these things. And so, uh, it would be really easy for me, you know, if this is, these are two easy doctrines we can easily pit against each other. If I don't, you know, if I'm, a, if I'm another pastor and I don't like the fact that, you know, we're having a, a viewing of COVID land tonight, if I wanted to, I could get up and I can just accuse, you know, this church of spreading fear and not trusting in God and I could preach a peace message. I could go to Philippians chapter four and just say, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. 
those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Why in the world would you watch COVID land in church when it's just showing all this dishonesty, when it's showing all this trickery and this crookedness and just all the evil and wickedness that's going on in the world? We're not supposed to think about those things. I mean, the Bible says that right here in Philippians chapter 4. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 1.7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Matthew 6.25 says, Therefore I say to you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink. For everybody. Why are you guys worried about what's going to happen to the economy? Why are you guys worried about the government destroying this country? We're not supposed to take thought of those things. We're not supposed to think about that. Y'all are getting all caught up in these politics, you Fox News Baptists out there, getting all worried about what is wrong with you people. We're not supposed to think about that stuff. But is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Some of y'all are worried about food shortages that they're probably going to cause and all the things you're not going to be able to do. You're worried about inflation. You're worried about all the job problems and things that are happening. Why would you even do that? We're not supposed to think about that. We're not supposed to worry. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Do you think the sparrows are having a nervous breakdown every time Fauci gets up and gives another speech, every time Pritzker gets up there and tells us about more things he's going to put in our state? You think they're panicking about that? But no, God's people panicking like crazy. Why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these, Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which is today is, and tomorrow is cast of the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or withal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, you bunch of heathens. Let me tell you, Gentile and heathen are used synonymously in the Bible. Y'all are thinking about this stuff. You're like a bunch of heathens. All you people going to go in there watching that movie tonight, you're a bunch of heathens. Is what you are based on, the, and you get you get offended by that, folks. That's the Bible, right there. I mean, don't get mad at me. I didn't write this. Now, this is from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. The Bible says, "But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you." You, want, you know, you don't want to worry about any of those things. If all, if you're afraid all those things are going to happen, you know what you just need to do? Just need to get in the will of God. Just need to go soul winning, and then all those problems are just going to go away. That's all. All you need to do. It says in Psalms 37, verse one: so, "Fret not thyself because of evil doers; neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity." Verse seven says, "Rest in the Lord; wait patiently for Him. Fret not thyself because of Him who prospereth in His way." Don't think about all the money Fauci's making through this whole pandemic. Don't think about all these politicians. Don't think about all the new millionaires, all the new billionaires that have been created through this stuff because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Proverbs 24, 19, Fret not thyself because of evil men, neither be thou envious at the wicked. And so now I've read all these verses here. You know, and some of you, you'll hear that and you all go running over to the guy. You know, you're like those little minions on, you know, Despicable Me. You, you go running behind whatever the, you know, the latest villain is. And so, boy, he made a really good case there. I'm running over to his side. And yeah, COVID land's bad. You know, Wittenberger's bad. Uh, you, know, you know, Liberty's bad for showing it. And let's just get these people. But here's the thing. You know, so now you're over on that side, you know, telling people not to worry. Everybody that stand against this stuff is bad. But now, okay, Pastor so-and-so, he preaches that. So I'm on the side of standing against the government. And so now I can preach a response message against that one preach against us about being vigilant. And if I get to do the response, 
And let me tell you, response messages are the worst sermons you'll ever hear in your life. Okay, That's why it's just best not to do response messages at all. But if I get to do the response, this gives me a message. This gives me an advantage because I get to pretend to be the one who has been attacked. And I get the last word enabling me to straw man the daylights out of my opposition. And that's usually how these things go. I can use whatever logical fallacies I want. And then I can get up and then I can preach, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Let me tell you, these people just talking about peace and misapplying the Bible, they just want to bury their heads in the sand. You know why? Because they're scared. You know why? Because they don't want to fight. You know why? Because they don't want to resist. That's why they wear the mask. That's why they're taking the jab. That's why they're doing all these things. They're just scared. But you know, we haven't been called as Christians to just you know, be passive and to let people walk all over us. We've been called to be vigilant. We've been called to resist. Whom resist? Steadfast in the faith. All the minions are now running over to my side right now in your mind. You're all running over to my side. And so, you know, I said I, I can, I can strawman the other side, accuse them of burying their head in the sand, just whistling in the dark, you know, being like an ox going to the slaughter who won't realize he's in trouble till a dart strikes through his liver. I can get, you know, I can get up and I can show you. You know, the word vigilant, the definition is watchful. Hey, we're not worrying. We're just watching. That's why we want to know what's going on. You know why? We've been commanded to watch, folks. That's why we're watching this documentary. You know why? It's good information. This is good information. We've been commanded to be watchful. We want to see what these people are doing. We want to be ready. We know this is all leading up to the mark of the beast. All we're doing is we're watching. We're being circumspect. Hey, that's a Bible word right there. We're being circumspect. You know, attentive to discover and avoid danger or to provide for safety. Hey, if you see something coming, there's nothing wrong with prepping. There's nothing wrong with being ready a little bit. Proverbs 21.31 says, The horse is prepared against the day of battle, but safety is of the Lord. Hey, I get it, folks. We trust in God, but that doesn't mean we can't be ready. I trust in God, but that doesn't mean I can't conceal and carry. You know, I trust in God, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to take advantage of this Second Amendment. I, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, another uh, way to look at vigilance is anxious, attentive, aware, cautious, circumspect, keen, observant, wary, looking for or on the lookout. Those are all just kind of uh, words that mean the same thing. You can see in the uh, thesaurus if you look at vigilant. Ephesians 5.14, wherefore he saith, awake thou that sleepest. That's what we're trying to do tonight. We're trying to wake up some people that are sleeping. Arise from the dead and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. You know why we pay attention to these things? Because of the fact that we're not going to just go walking through life as fools. We're not going to just walk around like the fools in this country who just act like the government's all good and wonderful and noble and they got our best interests. We're not going to just go as fools and just go walking in and let them stab us with something. We have no idea what's in it. We have no idea what the long-term effects of this thing are going to be. We're not going to. We're not just going to go and just go along and as fools, just whatever you say, government, whatever you tell us to do, you know, what, you know, whatever ritual you want us to follow to, you know, keep the COVID away from us, we're just going to do that. You know, we're not just going to be like a fool, but we're going to have wisdom. We're going to be circumspect. We're going to look into these things. Say, if I wanted. I could go into countless stories in the Old Testament where they fought. I could, I could pick whatever story I want from the Old Testament where they fought, where they were vigilant, where they were ready for the enemy. But you know, then the other side, they could go to examples where they didn't do anything but trust in the Lord. They could go where God just fought for them. 
And so do you see how you can find both things in the Bible? And so it's real easy for a preacher to just get up and whatever his agenda is, he just focuses on that and runs with it. So, well, Pastor Tommy, you preach both those sides pretty convincingly. Which one's right? I mean, both are right. Now, my application of them towards us was not completely accurate because, you know, we're not doing these things out of fear. And that's often what people do. They'll say, you know, here's what you're doing. It's because of fear. And then read verses against fear in the Bible. We're not doing it because of fear. We're doing it because of vigilance. But, you know, how often do opponents accurately represent the other side? All right. Have you ever watched a debate between Republicans and Democrats? What is it? Just constant straw man, you know, misrepresentation. That's what it constantly is. And it's not much different in the religious world. Uh, and so we, we, do, we see many examples. We see in Numbers 32.20, it says, And Moses said unto them, If ye will do this thing, if ye will go armed before the Lord to war, and will go all of you armed over Jordan before the Lord until he hath driven out his enemies from before him, and the land be subdued before the Lord, then afterward ye shall return and be guiltless before the Lord and before Israel, and this land shall be your possession before the Lord. But if ye will not do so, Go, what do not what go over armed he said be sure your sin he said uh, your sin will find you out now we all know that verse be sure your sin will find you out what sin was he talking about not being armed right so y'all y'all are in sin folks you ain't you know you ain't caring you ain't, you ain't strapped now but but then i can i can go too you know he to take the sword shall perish with the short Right? Now, obviously, you know, this was a specific situation and God commanded them to go armed. This is not a command for all of us to go armed for the rest of our life. It's proof that it's not a sin for us to be armed. And, and you know, I, I think that's great. But, you know, simply put, the solution to all these doctrines that we'll look at is just understanding the concept that we looked at this morning of to everything there is a season and a time. And it is. It's up to all of us. It's up to us as a church to judge what we need at this time, not somebody else. It's up to you as an individual, as I'm preaching on those things, to take what you need and to just leave the rest. So these are all things that we need to understand. So in this passage, you know, we see what we start out in First Peter five seven. We start out talking about vigilance, but it also, if you look at verse seven, it also tells us not to worry. The truth is, folks, we can do both. We can be vigilant and we cannot be worried. We can be vigilant and we cannot take thought or be you know, overly concerned and consumed with things. Because if we look at First uh, Peter 5, 7, it says, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant. Right before he tells us about being sober and being vigilant, it says to cast all our care on him. Well, if we're casting all our care on him, why are we being vigilant? I thought we were just trusting God. Hey, trusting God is, again, not us just whistling in the dark. Trusting God is not you just burying your head in the sand. You can do both. You can trust God. You can, be, you can cast your care on him and be vigilant at the same time. Right here, Peter commanded them to do both at the same time. These doctrines do not go against each other. That's not that they do not go against each other at all. So, you know, I, I heard two different sermons that seem to be going at each other. That's just called carnality, misuse of the scripture and and control. Just somebody trying to control from the pulpit. Both teachings are true and should not be pitted against each other. 
and they don't have to be pitted against each other. These things go together. There is a way to be vigilant without being fearful or worried. These are not against each other. We need to learn how to do both as a Christian. And as a Christian, again, we're going to feel like we're doing a balancing act sometime. That's how we're going to feel. When it comes to these two particular doctrines and many others, the reason we find ourselves in conflict is, again, because we're letting someone else tell us what we need a little more of. Okay? You, you can't do that. You, you've got to figure out for yourself what you need. So how can we do a self-diagnosis to see if we need a wake-up call or a chill pill? Okay? Most of us in here probably need a chill pill, which we are not going to take tonight. Right? But, but we could probably use And chances are, said in this congregation, there's probably some who could use the chill pill. But you know, some of you might need a, a defibrillator sermon. I mean, you're, you're so dead, you're flatlined, and you know, you need, sometimes we do, we need that sermon where, you know, figuratively speaking, where somebody takes those defibrillators and just shocks us, and wakes us up, get our heart beating again. Let me tell you, a lot of churches need these kind of sermons right now. Just people are flatlined. I mean, you can't, you can't get them to respond to anything. There's real problems. With, I mean, even just when, on the subject of soul winning, do you realize most churches today have just flatlined when it comes to soul winning? They have completely flatlined, no activity, no response, nothing going on. Somebody needs to come in there and just give them good old shock and just wake them up. That's what's needed. But, you know, different churches need different things. Sometimes even within the church where things are good, there might be an individual in there that needs a defibrillator. You know, that you, you never know. Everybody needs different things. And so, as a pastor, I have to preach both. But it's up to you to allow any sermon to do whatever needs to be done to you. And so I'm going to, I'm like tonight, you can say, I'm throwing out spiritual medication for everyone, but you need to decide if you need it or if you don't. I'm not going to make you take it, all right? We don't force medication around here, okay? That's what the government does. We, we, don't, we don't force these things. We'll put, we'll put it out there. We'll offer it to you. If you think you need it, take it. If you don't need it, you know, turn it away. Because here's the thing, too. If you take the wrong medication, it could do major damage. You know, a lot of times... The guy who needs the chill pill sermon takes the defibrillator sermon and ends up killing himself. I kind of like talked about this morning. You know, you do. You have the people that have got that, you know, time to hate down. I mean, and they're foaming at the mouth. I mean, just looking for somebody to hate. And you do. You preach a fire up people against sin message. Then that person just, you know, they're really going to go crazy. And just go nuts and like, you know, and, you know, last week on Facebook when they were doing pretty balanced, you know, they were putting all their uh, posts against the reprobates and things like that. But then after they hear that new message on reprobates, they're so fired up, they're declaring their mother a reprobate and their grandma a reprobate. And it's just like, you know, casting out everyone in their family. And, it's, and we've seen those people before. And it's just like, wow, you know, and they share every message that there is on the subjects like that. And then somebody, pre you know, preaches a sermon on love crickets. You know, they're, they're not, they're not going to listen to that one. And so, you know, we need, so the thing is when, so whatever I'm preaching, you need to figure out what you need. Some here, you know, they might need to take that public stand against evil. We see in Exodus 23, 2, it says, thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil, neither shalt thou speak in a cause to decline after many to rest judgment. Let me tell you, there's, there's too many people that are just going along. I, 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 who are you? Are you somebody that's just kind of a go with the flow? You know, when you see injustice, 
or, you know, maybe even in your workplace. Okay, I get it. There's not much we can do about what's going on in Washington, D.C. There's not much we can do, probably, about what's going on in Springfield and our capital and things like this. Probably not much we can do there, but, you know, we can do something about things in our own life. And are you somebody, are you the type of person that when you see, you know, things wrong in your workplace, when you see things wrong in your neighbor, are you just somebody that turns a blind eye to it? Or are you somebody that stands against it? Because too many people today, they just are fine with letting bad things happen, with letting injustice go, and just nobody says anything. We see in these cities, we were talking about this the other day, in a lot of these cities you see these videos where people are getting beat up and people are laying down injured in the street and everybody's just walking by them. Just no care, no concern for their fellow human being. And it's just like, this is a real problem right here. It is. It's, it's really bad in cities sometimes. I mean, are you, I mean, even when it comes to smaller things. You know, are we all the type of people that just pretend we don't see the lady with the flat tire on the side of the road? You know, because we got places to go. We got things to do. I mean, are you, are you the type of person that when you see somebody struggling with something, you know, you're just going to walk by. At, you, you, you know, we're, we're so self-centered. We need to be the kind of people that are always looking out for other people. We need to be the kind of people that just have certain etiquette and you're willing to hold the door open for somebody. You know, you see that elderly person struggling with something, trying to load groceries in their car or something. You know, help people out. We're not, we're just not aware of things anymore. And people are so self-centered that they just, they don't care what's going on with their fellow man as long as it's not affecting them. And I get it. There's a, there's a lot of things we can't do, but you know what? When was the last time you just prayed for some of these people, when we hear about things in other parts of the world and other parts of the country where, you know, fellow believers many times are struggling, they're suffering. When was the last time you just said a prayer for them? Or are we just too busy not worried about the fact that it's not affecting us when it comes to a lot of the COVID restrictions in other countries? You know, thank God it's not real bad where we're at. But you know what? Are we thinking about people in other parts of the world that can't go to church where they, they can't do hardly anything? Can we at least show some concern? Can we at least let these people know, hey, we think what's being done to you is wrong. And let me tell you something. I've preached about this before. One of the things that causes people to struggle a lot of times when they face injustice is the fact that no one seems to care. It's like nobody has a problem. You know what? It ought to bother all of us if we see somebody treated unfairly. It ought to bother all of us to see injustice done to people and I get it. None of, you know, we're not necessarily, you know, uh, you know, judges here. We're not police officers and all those things. We don't have really any authority in this community. But at, at the end of the day, you know, we do have some say. I mean, our leaders, to a certain extent, they still respond to, you know, voting, to protests, all these things. And are we just going to keep letting wickedness get done with just no outcry? Or are we just going to go along? Because you know what that's called? That's called following a multitude to do evil. It says, Neither shalt thou cause to decline after many to rest judgment. To just twist judgment. Are we going to keep letting people just pervert laws in this land? Are we going to let them try to enforce things that are against the Constitution and just go along? Are we as a church, when, a go- when the government completely steps out of line when they literally violate the law and in a time even in this country where many uh judges are ruling against the government who's gone after churches are we just going to act like it's okay and just say yes government you know you can shut us down you can do whatever you want i don't think that's right folks because let me tell you something 
All we're doing is we're encouraging them to keep it going. And you know what? It's not just us. It's not just us that it's affecting. It's other people too. And we need people standing up against these things. And a lot of people, they need to, you know, let their voice be heard in these things. It's very important. Some people need to be vigilant and to watch out for false teachers. We see in 2 Peter 3.16, says, As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of things in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures to their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware, lest ye also, being led away with error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. We are commanded to be vigilant and to watch out for false teaching. We ought to be ready for that. We need to understand, not everybody out there is telling the truth. This isn't us just being scared, but that we understand that there are false teachers out there that are people that, that are trying to promote wickedness. I mean, there are, there's um, people who literally want to damn people's souls to hell. We read about them in Jude. We read about them in Peter. We read about them all over the New Testament. We've been commanded to watch for these things. And so us, you know, paying attention to people's doctrine, us, you know, standing against false teaching, us correcting somebody in the church who maybe is getting mixed up on some false teaching you know what this is? This is called us just being vigilant because we realize these things can destroy us. Now, I'm planning on hopefully here pretty soon preaching a message on apostasy. I've heard a lot of talk on apostasy lately. And, you know, in my opinion, when it comes to apostasy, you know, I do. I don't believe in like the saved person who apostatizes, meaning they completely, you know, where they lose their salvation. But let me tell you what I do believe in. I do believe in a church apostatizing to where their doctrine gets so bad, eventually there's just no saved people in that church and they're not getting anyone saved. I do, I do believe very much in that. And I'm telling you right now, I think more and more we're seeing this type of thing in places like the Bible belt where there's just churches all over the place, but yet the teaching is just horrible in these places. Let me tell you, they look like IFB. They got a King James Bible. But let me tell you, you listen to their preaching, you go talk to some of these people out knocking the doors, ask them how they know for sure they're going to go to heaven, it will scare you what they will say. It's scary how many people you talk to out knocking doors from Baptist churches that can't give a clear you know, profession of faith. And you think, how can, how can that be? I'll tell you why, apostasy. False doctrine. It, does, it doesn't come overnight. It creeps in. And so, so uh, you guys are kind of picky on this stuff. Well... We're being vigilant against apostasy because we don't want that happening here. And so we're going to, we're going to stand against these things and a lot. And some people need that. Some people need to be more wary of false prophets. Philippians three, two says, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. And that was talking specifically there about the Jews because they were trying to bring in really bad damnable heresy. You know what he said? Beware of them. Watch out for those people. There's people that are going to want to come to this church. We need to be watching out for. There's a type of people. And it's not that we're, you know, I, I preached about a while back where we're just on, you know, on high alert, just kind of ready to throw everybody in hell and act like everyone's an infiltrator. You know, obviously a lot of people are just confused. They've not been taught. We're going to give everybody a chance. But at the same time, too, you know, we're, we're always watching. That's okay. It's a, you should always be watching when it comes to what I preach. Pastors sometimes get mixed up 
and really weird doctrine. But you know what typically happens in most churches? They just have minions that just follow along and just go along with whatever preacher says. That's what I believe. I stand with you, preacher. And folks, I mean, I can get up and preach like that. Hey, whatever you do, you always stand with your preacher. Amen. People, Amen. No, hey, you know, make sure you, know, you follow him as he follows Christ. That, that's kind of a dangerous mentality right there. And listen, I've got everything to gain from you know, convincing you all of that. But at the same time, it's just not right. It's not biblical. We're not lords over God's heritage. We see in Colossians 2.8, it says, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. And to spoil somebody, it's not the way we use it today of like spoiling a little kid. But it's when you just go and basically attack somebody and you take everything of theirs. And a lot of people, if they're not careful, they'll let false doctrine spoil them, basically making them worthless as a Christian, taking away all their value. There's some people that are as saved as you and I, but they go into bad churches that have bad doctrine. And you know what they do? Because of bad preaching on repentance, you know what they do to spoil them and they discourage them from soul winning. They don't, uh, you know, what's the point of even going? You know, my con- none of my converts even came to church. No, don't let them spoil you with that. Listen, that, that's a very valuable thing. Uh, if you have the boldness to go out and if you're, if you're actively soul winning, that is a very good thing. Don't let somebody's bad teaching take that away from you. And if, and if you're not careful, it will, it will happen. There are many people today sitting in dead as a doornail churches in the midst of apostasy. They're just waiting for the last saved person to die out pretty much in some of these churches. And they end up getting stuck in these churches. And they're there. They're saved. But you know what? They're, they're worthless because of the fact that they're not, they're, you know, they're not soul winning. They're not preaching the truth on these things. They're not reaching anybody for Christ. And it's, it's just a matter of time. And that church will be fully apostate. No saved people in that church. No one getting saved. And that's a shame when that kind of thing happens. And so some of you need this. Some of, you know, some of you, you might need preaching on these things about vigilance. You need these things because it's real easy for all us, all of us to just get real apathetic and to have a kind of a carefree attitude and just who cares? You know what? I'm tired of all the fighting. Let's all just get along and let's just, you know, join the ecumenical movement and uh, just do the five fundamentals and we're all good, right? I mean, we'll, we'll all feel better. And, but no, that, that's not right. But you know, some, you might be on the opposite end. You need to hear some preaching. You need some medication now get you to calm down and to get a little closer to Christ. We see in Luke chapter 10 in verse 39, notice what it says. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about, cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, does it not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bitter therefore that she helped me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. You know what? I mean, maybe Martha had just been to one of these conferences, just you know, a, a stewardship conference or a leadership conference, and it's like, you know, you need to get on fire for the Lord. You need, to, you need to work for the night is coming. Hey, we've only got so much time to earn rewards. You need to get busy. You need to work for Christ. And man, she's working, she's working. But then, you know what? Mary actually did the better thing and sat at the feet of Jesus. You know why? Because that was, a, for one, that was a very rare opportunity. 
But two, that was the needful thing at that time. She chose something that was better. And you know what? Martha, she's all zealous about doing work. She's all zealous about getting, you know, getting to work right now. Uh, and she's, you know, she was one of those church members. You know, past time, I think we need to do less fun things, you know, less family things in church, just do more soul winning. You know, no fun stuff. You know, let, you know, let's get rid of the ping pong tables and stuff like that. And, you know, let's just have extra soul winning training at the church. Hey, sometimes you need to chill. Sometimes you need to relax. Sometimes we need to just calm down a little bit. You know, it's okay if you take a Saturday off and do something with your family. That's okay. You know, we won't throw you out of the church if you do that. It's, it's, it's not a bad thing. Sometimes people need to chill. Sometimes we need to get alone with God. We just need to sit down at the feet of Jesus. And uh, I think there's, there's a lot of Christians that are like that. A lot of people in church. There might be, you know, there's probably some here that you, you, know, you just need to, you need to calm down a little bit. Hey, there's always, there's always going to be plenty of work to do. There's always going to be more souls to reach. There's always one more person, one more door you can knock, one more person that needs to hear the gospel. But you know what? God also wants us thinking about Him. God wants us having a relationship with Him. He wants us to take some time to worship. He wants us to take some time to sing some praises. He does want us in our Bible. And yeah, I get it. You can be somebody that all you do is read the Bible. I mean, you're just, you just read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible, never tell anybody about Jesus. I mean, you know, what's the point? We all got to figure out what we need. We all need that balance. And all of us, we all, are, we all like to just kind of compare everybody to us and get everybody like us, and that's not right either. But we, you know, we need to just try to be like Christ. But as far as what we need, uh, you need to take what you need. And some might need to calm down. Some might need to be less contentious and start making peace. We do see in the Bible it talks about contention is a bad thing, but it also talks about contending for the faith. Both are true. We see in James 3.16, it says, Where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Did you know that you can be rock solid on your position, doctrinally, whatever it is, and not act like a maniac? Do you know it's possible to do that? You can be immovable in your faith, in your doctrine, and you should be, and you can, you can do that and not scream at people, not call people names, not accuse them of all these heresies. It's okay to just be peaceful with people sometimes. Because, you know, and I get it. You have your raving heretics out there that are never going to change. It just need to be rebuked. But did you know not everyone that is just wrong or in error or mistaken or misled or deceived is that person? They are just all those things. And you know what they do? They need somebody to rebuke them in love. They need that, they need that gentle reproof. There is, there's a time to rebuke sharply. But there's also a time to be gentle. And, you know, most of us, we got the rebuke sharply down too, but this verse here, we tore that out of our Bible. There's, there's a time and a place for both. And we ought to, we ought, some of us need to figure out how we can do a little better in that area. We need to just strive to make peace. We need to, uh, you know, not have partiality, hypocrisy, all these things. And if we, if we will do that, I'm telling you, God, God will bless you. And you know what you'll probably do? You'll probably actually win more people over. You'll probably do a better job converting people. 
I mean, and it, it's funny how all the things that we figured out soul, out soul winning. You know, we all know how to have a little bit of class, a little bit of personality, a little tact when we're out soul winning. But when we get away from knocking doors and soul winning, we come into the house of God or on God's people, we just turn into maniacs. And then just everybody is the worst person. Well, I mean, you know, when was the last time you knocked on the door of a Catholic or Pentecostal, whatever. And then when they weren't giving you the right answers, you started calling them a heretic and a reprobate and all that. You don't do it that way, do you? You know why? Because you're trying to win them over. And guess how most soul winners are when they go out soul winning? Gentle. I'm telling you, rough soul winners don't accomplish anything. You have, you have to do that. And we've learned that, but for some reason, we'll give, that, we'll give those courtesies to the outsiders, but we won't give them to people in here. We won't give them to our brothers and sisters in Christ many times. And that's not a good thing. So, uh, again, you know, some of, these, this, some of this is chill pill stuff. We see in Second Chronicles 19, verse 2, some of you, you know, you need to, you need to hate on some bad people. It says in Second Chronicles 19, 2, And Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, Shouldst thou help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord? Therefore is wrath upon thee from before the Lord. Some of y'all get along too well with bad people. You know, but some of you don't get along well enough. You know, there, there's, you know, again, some, some need this, some don't. Some need one thing, some need the opposite. We see in 1 Thessalonians 3.12, it says, And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do towards you. And you know what? I, I, think, I think this verse applies to all of us. All of us should be increasing and abounding in love. And notice what it says too here. And people get triggered by this too. You see this verse? It says, toward all men. And some of you immediately. Well, what about the reprobates? You know, I mean, that, that's, that's your immediate go-to. You know, you get, you're so consumed with the reprobate doctrine that it's like you, you just think you're constantly facing them. But in reality... I don't think a majority of the people you come in contact with are reprobates. A majority are either just saved or lost. And at the end, at the end of the day, and here's another thing you got to you got to understand about the reprobate doctrine. Okay, is it's vitally important that we understand the concept of reprobates. That there is such a thing as a reprobate. If you don't understand that, a lot of things in the Bible aren't going to make sense. A lot of things in life aren't going to make sense to you. If you don't understand that, you must understand there is such a thing as someone who has been given over to a reprobate mind. But here's another thing you need to understand. You don't always know who they are, and you're not an expert on knowing who they are, and you don't necessarily even need to know who they always are. You know what you just need to do? This is the rule of thumb. Increase in love towards all men. You need to become a more loving person. I already am loving. Well, then you ought to increase in it. And you don't need to worry about accidentally loving you know, the wrong person. It, again, and two, it's, it's, just, it's just people in general. We're going to love our community more. And if you accidentally do something nice for somebody who's a really horrible person that is a reprobate, you're not, you're not encouraging them in their reprobation. Okay? Now, if you do like a lot of people do, and, you know, and they're, they're wearing all their uh, you know, pride stuff and you know, flaunting their wickedness, and then you start giving them extra love and care and attention because of that, that's the worst thing right there too. 
And I see a lot of Christians do that. It's like they go out of their way to show their love to the person flaunting it. You know, that, that's just you elevating yourself. That's just you wanting to prove how much loving you are, you know, how loving you are to everybody. But, you know, all of these, you know, said I, at the end of the day, I think most of us are all going to do better across the board if we just increase in love with everybody. I, I guarantee you, you're all, we're all going to do better. And, you know, it's time for some Christians to start maturing a little bit to understand that you, you have to be responsible with the Word of God. You have to be responsible when you are receiving preaching. Don't just take off and run with every sermon you hear. Don't be that guy you know, who said, who, here's the sermon on hate, and for the next week, he's making a new list of people he hates. And you know, the Bible does say, talk about hating your father and mother. So I hate my father and mother now. Put them on my hate list right next to the uh, politicians and uh, you know, Lee Harvey Oswald and John Wayne Gacy. I got them on there too. The Bible commands it. I mean, it's, it's like some people, they just love to do it. And you know, there's something wrong with that. You know, but then that same person six months later when their favorite preacher preaches a love sermon, they're out there loving on everybody and then they're condemning everyone who's not as loving as they are. Don't be that person. You know, just learn to take what you need from a message and be a balanced and a sane individual. It shouldn't be hard. Sanity is to your benefit. You'll be better off. People like you better. And so we've got to understand that when it comes to life, vigilance, not taking thought, not worrying, these are both things that we're taught to do in the Bible, and we can do both of these things. And both things are going to be preached. We're going to preach the vigilant sermon. We're going to preach the fire you up sermon. And you've got to take what you need. But we're also going to sometimes going to need to calm people down. Whenever there's big things going on, those kind of messages are going to come. And you know what you can't do? You, know, you can't take it you know, all personal. Again, not every message is for you. Uh, you know, it's going to go along with your agenda. You know, none of us, even myself as a, as a bishop and overseer of the church, I mean, I do my best to try to look out for the needs of people. But at, at the end of the day, I just, I, a lot of times I, I just have to pray and say, Lord, I need you to let me know which one I need to preach right now. You know, because uh, I don't know what everybody needs. And it's just always my prayer anytime I get up and preach that the Word of God will get to the heart of the matter and fix whatever needs fixed that's out there. And so I hope this was a help because if, if we're not careful too, you know, you're, you're going to kind of get a self-centered attitude and get bent out of shape whenever it's not exactly what you needed at that time. You don't want to be that way or you're going to be that person that just takes, takes it all every time. Give me whatever you got and, and I'll take it even if you don't need it. That is, that is not a good way to function. And so I hope this was a help. So let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for everyone who's here tonight. I pray this message uh, was a help. I pray you'll help everyone to understand, Lord, we can be vigilant uh, while not worrying at the same time. We can cast our care on you and still be uh, watching, still be resisting steadfast in the faith. I pray you'll help us to learn how to strike a balance. I pray everyone who's in here will learn to take what they're supposed to get from the preaching and leave the rest and that we'll all be uh, responsible Christians. In your name we pray. Amen.